0: The Huddleberg Catechism, we read together Lord's Day 42. What does God forbid in the eighth commandment? God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, but also such wicked schemes and devices as false weights and measures, deceptive merchandising, counterfeit money, and usury. We must not defraud our neighbor in any way, whether by force or by show of right. In addition, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. What does God require of you in this commandment? I must promote my neighbor's good wherever I can and may, deal with him as I would like others to deal with me, and work faithfully so that I may be able to give to those in need. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we focus our attention on the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. This commandment underlines the fact that God allows us to own certain things. Communism is a philosophy that suggests that people in a society have all things in common, and it bans the ownership of property Yet the Lord makes it clear that we may own property and he forbids us from taking what belongs to others. From a societal perspective, each of us has certain things that are our own. Children may have their own clothes and toys. Adults may own their own car or house. And yet... From a divine perspective, things are a little different. God is the one who gives us many rich gifts out of his fatherly hand. Our money and our possessions come ultimately from him. The Bible teaches that this world and all that is in it belongs to God. From God's perspective, we are not owners of the gifts that he has given us. Instead, we are stewards who have been entrusted with certain things for the short time that we live on this earth. As Christians living in a materialistic world, it's easy for us to get caught up in the pursuit of money and possessions. We look at what others in society around us have, And it's so easy for us to desire the same. We want stuff, and so we work hard to get it. It's easy for life's focus to be on fulfilling the desires of our hearts, on buying, owning, possessing, and consuming. The focus easily becomes me, myself, and I. We tell ourselves that I deserve to have some happiness in life and that such and such will make me happy. And so we tend to pamper ourselves. But God expects different from us. He is the God who has redeemed us from slavery to sin and Satan. God gave his only dearly loved son To purchase us as his own possession. He claimed us as his own people. And he has graciously promised to provide us with all we need for body and soul. God wants us to be content with the good gifts that he grants us. He calls us to use our gifts carefully. He wants us to be kind and generous with the gifts he has given, to also use them for the benefit of our neighbor. It's the thankful response that God desires from his children. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. When God forbids stealing, he teaches us to be good stewards of the gifts that he has given us. He calls us to be content, careful, and considerate. In 1 Timothy 6, 6, Paul writes, but godliness with contentment is great gain. With these words, Paul teaches us something about the attitude that God expects his redeemed children to have towards life. As people who have been redeemed... From our sins by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have a renewed perspective on life. Our Savior was willing to give up everything for us. He suffered and he died in a cursed death, hanging on a cross. He bore God's wrath against all our sins, and thereby he has set us free from our sins and from the mastery of Satan. And in response, the Lord now commands us to live godly lives. A godly life is a life that is devoted to the Lord. It's more than having some warm, emotional feeling about God, like we sometimes do when we sing a song of praise to God. The attitude of a godly person's heart is that it is his or her fervent desire to please God. Such a person is in tune with God. He or she walks with God. God is at the center of that person's life. Their life is focused on living to the glory of God. To sum it up, godliness is devotion to the Lord, which results in a life pleasing to him. Closely connected to godliness is an attitude of Contentment. If you know what God has done for you by granting his grace in Christ, and you trust that God is the one leading and directing your life, then you can be content. Contentment is being satisfied with the Lord's blessings over you. Yet our problem is that our hearts are not always focused on God. Our human tendency is to focus on things below rather than on things above. By nature, we are self-focused instead of being God-directed. The problem with us, beloved, is that we often look at what others have, and we want the same. Our hearts lust after all kinds of different things, Money, property, a better house or car, relationships, physical appearance, positions, athletic abilities, toys, intellect, or spiritual gifts. Often we're grabbing for things because we want to fill that deep longing of our hearts. We look at what someone else has been given and we think, if only I had that, I'd be happy, I'd be satisfied. I'd be content. In our materialistic society, it's easy to set our hearts on money and on what money can buy. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul warns Timothy against a desire for riches. He writes, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You see, there is a fundamental problem with the desire to be rich. Jesus taught this to his disciples in Matthew 6. The problem is that the human heart can only truly be devoted to one thing. You cannot serve both God and money. Either the one or the other will take priority in your life. If you choose to chase riches, you put your relationship with God at risk. If money is your god, you'll do almost anything to get it, even if it involves lying or cheating or stealing or taking shortcuts. Some people chase after money by buying lottery tickets, dreaming about winning big. Others chase after money by gambling. And not all gambling takes place at the casino. You can gamble by betting on sports, or by taking unreasonable chances in how you invest in the stock market. Some people chase after money by setting up their own businesses and working hard to get ahead in life. Yet often they neglect their relationship with God and loved ones because of their desire to get rich. Beloved, we in the Western world are guilty of rampant materialism. We work and work and work We spend and spend and spend. We acquire and acquire and acquire. We consume and consume and consume. We're on a treadmill, like rats on a spinning wheel, wanting more and thinking that happiness depends on the stuff we buy. Often, we're self focused, self absorbed, and self indulgent. But are we happy? Are you satisfied with what you've got? Are you still striving for bigger and better and more? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will never be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. Evaluate your life, what you do, With your money and possessions? How much do you give back to God and to His kingdom? Do you generously support the church and the work of mission? How much do you share with your neighbor? Do you do more than just put a few loonies in the collection bag? What do you think first and foremost about yourself? Our hearts are often focused on money and riches because we think that attaining things will make us satisfied and content. Often our coveting is driven by the emptiness of our human hearts. Just as our bodies hunger for food, so our soul hungers for significance. There's often a desire in our heart to be someone special. It's easy for us to fulfill, to try fulfill this longing with outward things. And if we try that, our soul will go on hungering. This world was never designed to satisfy us. Beloved, just as your car can't run on water, so you can't run on what this world has to offer as wondrous, as marvelous as God's creation is. He created it for our enjoyment, not for our satisfaction. This life will never satisfy the hungering and thirsting of our needy souls. Only God can do that. God made us to live in relationship with him. It's in him It's only in Him that we can find meaning and purpose in our lives. As much as we try to satisfy ourselves with other things, we can only find true contentment in a life lived in communion with the Lord. Beloved, are you content? Are you able to live in the joy of faith, satisfied with the blessings that God provides? To live truly content lives, we need to know who God is. Our God is not cheap. Our God loves to give good gifts to his children. In Jesus Christ, we've been given an an abundance of blessings. Let's start with our spiritual blessings. We've been adopted as God's children. We've been given forgiveness for our sins We've been restored to union with Christ and fellowship with our Father in heaven. The Spirit has come to make his home in us, uh, guiding and directing us in the Lord's ways, comforting us, promising that he will remain with us forever. And we've been promised this incredibly rich inheritance, life with God on a renewed earth, in joy and in glory forevermore. God's gifts came to us at great cost. He had to send his dearly loved Son into the world to suffer and die for us. Jesus had to walk that pathway of suffering to bear the burden of God's wrath against our sins on the cross. If God loved us so much, he was willing to send his Son to die for us don't you think he will also provide our material needs? Jesus promised he would. In the Sermon on the Mount, he pointed to the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. He showed how God fed them and how God dressed them. He told us not to worry about such things because our Heavenly Father knows we need them. He promised to provide for us. Paul teaches us another principle that leads to contentment. 1 Timothy 6, verse 7, he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. We need to learn to live life not just in the here and now, but with an eternal perspective. It's hard, I know. But please remember, we are exiles. We are pilgrims on this earth. This life is not the be-all and end-all of life. The promised land still awaits. Even though this life may involve struggles and sorrows, the best is yet to come. We need to believe that. It gives perspective when we see evildoers prospering while we're struggling to make ends meet. We see now the command, you shall not steal, requires us to be content. In our second point, we'll see how God calls us to be careful. This afternoon we read the parable of the talents from Matthew 25. It's a kingdom parable. A story that Jesus tells to teach us about the kingdom of heaven. In this parable we read about a master going on a journey to a country far away and entrusting large sums of money, with various servants. To one servant he gave five talents, to another two, and to a third one, one, each according to his ability. When we hear the word talents, we tend to think of a person's gifts and abilities. Some people have the talent of playing a musical instrument really well. Others can produce beautiful art. Others play a certain sport with great, great athleticism. Yet when Jesus refers to talents in this parable, he's referring to large sums of money. In the New Testament, a talent is the largest currency, the largest unit of currency. A talent had the value of about 6,000 denarii. Since it was common for a working man to earn a denarius a day, A talent was the equivalent of about 20 years of wages. We see that the master entrusted each of his servants with a lot of money. What the master expected from his servants was that they put his money to good use. He expected them to work with his money so that upon his return they had earned a profit for him. It's clear from the reaction of the master to his three servants on the day of his return He praises the first two servants for their good stewardship. He bids them to enter into the joy of their master. But the master condemns the third servant as a wicked and a lazy man. Even though he had not lost the talent entrusted to him, the master was not satisfied. For the servant had not used it. He had not even deposited it with the bankers to earn interest. Talent is taken away from him, and he is dismissed from his master's presence. From this parable, several things become very clear. One is that none of the servants was working with something that belonged to himself. It was their master who had entrusted them with talents. It was his money, not their own. When interpreting this parable, it's important to remember that. It is the Lord who gives us all that we have. He provides us with every day and every hour that we spend here on this earth. It's the Lord who gives us health and strength. He grants us his word and the Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts, equipping and preparing us for service. Our Father in Heaven provides an abundance and a diversity of gifts. He also grants us opportunities to use our gifts in His service. The Lord has granted each of of us many talents. Yes, it's true that some have received more than others. But let's not forget that even the man in the parable who only received one talent still received a huge sum of money. Besides that, as Jesus taught in Luke 12, 48, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. The point is that everything that we have, our time, our money, our opportunities, our spiritual gifts, our learning, it has all been entrusted to us All of our gifts have been given to us by God for use in His service. Our gifts don't actually belong to us. We're stewards of them in the time that our Lord gives us on this earth. Do you know what a steward is? A steward is appointed to manage another's property or affairs. Airlines employ stewards and stewardesses to take care of passengers as they fly from one place to another. They're in charge of managing people, even when they're anxious, stressed, or angry. Companies employ managers to run their businesses. A manager is not the owner of the business but he's entrusted with running it, and so holds an important position. Just like the servants in the parable of the talents were entrusted with the care of large sums of their master's money, so the Lord has entrusted us with many good things. Since this afternoon's sermon is focused on the commandment, you shall not steal, we're going to focus on the money and the possessions God is entrusted to our care. Beloved, do you see your your material blessings in that way? Do you agree your money and your possessions come from God? That you're not owners, but merely stewards of his good gifts? The Bible teaches that God is the creator of this world and all that's in it. As creator, God has a claim over everything he has made. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Further, our money and our possessions come to us from the hand of God. We tend to think that it's our hard work or our business smarts that allowed us to get ahead in life. But, beloved, that's simply not true. Already in the Old Covenant, the Lord warned his people against thinking that our success comes from our own efforts. In Deuteronomy 8, he reminded the Israelites that he was the one who provided miraculously for them during their desert sojourn. And that he was the one who gave them Canaan as a land of milk and honey. The Lord said, beware, lest you say in your heart, my power. My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. God is the source of all our blessings. They come from his fatherly hand. It's our responsibility to be good stewards of God's blessings. It also applies to our money and possessions. We often live by the attitude that since I earned my paycheck by my own hard work, it's my right to decide what I'm going to do with it. But please remember, God gave you the ability and the health and strength to work. God is the one who provided you with work. As the psalmist confesses in Psalm 127, in all the labor of your hands, success On God alone depends. Since God is the one who blesses us with money and possessions, we are accountable to Him for how we use these gifts. Our catechism says that God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. Greed is wanting more and more. It's never being satisfied with what you have. Along with greed, there is the sin of hoarding. There's a temptation to gather more and more wealth for ourselves. But God doesn't provide you with money and possessions just for yourself. He wants you to use these gifts in His service for the glorification of His name and the coming of His kingdom. He wants you to also share your blessings with those in need. Beloved, we need to be on guard against living an extravagant lifestyle. We don't need to keep up with the standards set by ungodly society around us. Think about the money people spend on leisure and recreation, on eating out and going on expensive vacations. There is certainly nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings God has given us. But at times we need to pause and consider whether we're putting our money to the best possible use. Are we selfish in the use of our gifts? Are we generous with them? In our age, many people expect instant gratification Young people expect to live their lives at the same standards their parents do, even though their parents have saved for many years to get where they are in life. Many in our society today fund their lifestyle through debt. They not only have a mortgage, but also car payments and payments and all kinds of other stuff that they felt that they just could not do without. It's a huge trap. Due to debt, many live from paycheck to paycheck. God doesn't want us to live with that kind of stress. God wants us to be content with what he gives and to use it carefully. He wants us to live within our means. To save before we buy stuff to set aside some saving for a rainy day. Our money is not ours to do with as we please. One day the Master will return. We'll all have to give account to him. Also for how we use the material blessings that he provides us with. It brings us to our final point, and we'll consider how God calls us to be considerate The Christian faith is about more than just words. We show our faith through our deeds. When God forbids stealing, he teaches us to promote our neighbor's good wherever we can and may, to deal with him as we would like others to deal with us, and to work faithfully so we can provide for those in need. In Ephesians 4.28, Paul teaches us, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In Galatians 6, 9 and 10, he urged us, saying, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In our reading from 1 Timothy 6, Paul teaches us to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for ourselves as a good foundation for the future, that we may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul encourages the people of God to be givers. 2 Corinthians 9, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And he tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Paul reminds us that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The point is that in showing our love to God and the neighbor, we'll never run short. For God will provide every need of those who honor him by sharing his gifts. Of course, beloved, we can't do any of this in our own strength. It requires heart change within us. That's only brought about by the Spirit of God. Selfishness is a work of the flesh. Kindness and goodness are fruit of the Spirit. Yet those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires... They walk by the Spirit. If we are Spirit-led, then we will be good stewards of the money and possessions God has given us. We will give generously and cheerfully out of thankfulness for all that our Savior has done for us. Beloved, please remember, our treasure is Christ, not money. Our home is Heaven, not this earth. As Paul said in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember all that Christ has given us, both spiritually and materially. Be good stewards of the blessings that God has given you. Show forth your love for God and your neighbor also in the use of your money and possessions, for then you will be allowed to share in the riches of your Master's eternal kingdom. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from Psalm 37. We'll sing stanzas 1, 3, 7, and 9.